Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. You know, when you're being interviewed, I think you should interview that company as well. Make sure you really understand what they do and you believe in it, that you, you know, you believe in the product they're selling or service they're selling, that you agree with their, their core values. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, the CPA and your host for Life and Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. This week, we have a very special and very successful guest, Executive Vice President with Frost National Bank, Carol Severin. Carol leads the audit function with Frost Bank and has just celebrated her 24th anniversary with Frost. This episode is very valuable for many reasons. First of all, Carol shares some of the secrets to her success at being with the same organization over that long a period while continuing to grow her career at the same time. Also, we're going to get into some of the details of Frost Bank's intern program, which is a program that Carol actually helped to formulate in the first place many years ago. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Carol is both very professional and very open about her whole career journey. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to check out some of our former shows as well at our homepage, www.whereaccountantsgo.com. That's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Let's get started. Here's Carol Severin, EVP and Audit with Frost Bank. Well, hello, Carol. Thank you for taking the time out for this podcast. I know it's going to be beneficial for our listeners. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm really excited to join you today. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, to bring our audience up to speed a little bit, I wanted to invite you on the show because I I know you've had a wonderful career there at Frost Bank and and for many years, it appears as well. But then also, I saw where you had been recently recognized by TSCPA as their first ever business and industry award recipient, so I thought maybe the timing you know, would be perfect. And and if all that wasn't enough, I, I know your department has a wonderful history and, and reputation for providing intern opportunities for recent graduates here in San Antonio. So I thought that would be good for our audience as well, because we, we have a large number of students that listen to the program. Before we get into that, if you don't mind, let's start sort of at the beginning what initially led you to the accounting profession? How did you decide to become an accountant? Okay. Well, let me start by apologizing if I cough because I'm suffering from South Texas allergies, but um, <laughs> I'll do my best to sip water and not and not uh, ruin the recording. Uh, well, so what led me to accounting? So it's actually kind of a funny story. When I was in high school, my high school offered accounting as an elective, and it was interesting to me, so I signed up for it. Well, after a semester, I dropped it because I thought it was incredibly boring. I couldn't stand listening any more assets or what you own and liabilities or what you owe. So 
I didn't think I liked accounting, but I knew I liked business. I had grown up helping my dad in his office. He was an electrician, but of course he had an office and I would work in the summers and help him with all of his filing and record keeping and I, I just really enjoyed business. So after I graduated from high school, I started college at UTSA here in San Antonio and I was an undeclared business major. So I worked full-time while I went to college and took a lot of afternoon and evening courses, and um, it took me nine years in total to get through college. And so I also had to take classes that were available when I was, which meant that I took a lot of classes out of order without the required prerequisites, and I had to get, you know, professor's permission to attend a class. So this went on for about six or seven years until I, I think, officially was a junior, and I received a letter from the university saying that I can't register for any more classes until I meet with an academic advisor. So I set up that meeting and I go in and they tell me, well, you have to declare a major. And I'm saying, well, I I don't really know what I want to be. And so they look at the transcripts with me and they said, well, you know, you're only 30 hours away from an accounting degree. And I said, what? I didn't think I liked accounting. (laughs) And they told me, well, apparently you do because you're 30 hours away. And I was only 33 hours away from a finance degree. So we talked about the different options with those two different degrees, and they talked to me about the CPA exam, and I thought, you know what, I think that's what I want to do. I felt like, you know, being a CPA would afford me more opportunities, so I went ahead and declared accounting as my major, and the rest is history. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Well, I guess that, yeah, that three extra hours it would have taken to become a finance major, that that would have been a a, a major hurdle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. You are a good accountant. (laughs) Right, exactly. So after you got out of college, was Frostbank your first position? Because you've been there quite a while. Right. Yeah, I've been here for 24 years. And um, it was interesting, again, because I I worked in in savings and loans and banks most of the time I was in college. Um, I actually uh, started as a teller at the old Texas Commerce Bank, which doesn't exist any longer. And then I worked in a a variety of different savings and loans. And at one particular savings and loan, there was an accounting firm. It was it was a few former auditors from Arthur Young. Yeah. Arthur Young, yes. And so they actually hired me when that savings and loan failed, which most of the savings and loans failed. You know, they hired me because they had worked with me and audited me so much. They thought that I just really had a you know good future, and they knew they couldn't bill me out as an, an accountant or an auditor because I hadn't finished college yet. But I worked for them through those last few years of college, and I actually got to be kind of a junior associate, assisting with audits, assisting with tax engagements and things like that. And, and I loved working for them. They were three really great people. I really enjoyed what I did. I got to learn a lot about the audit profession. So after I graduated, I was actually attending a mixer for new CPAs that the Texas Society of CPAs, the, the local chapter, had. And I ran into an old professor. She was my EDP audit teacher, if that tells you how old I am. (laughs) It's not EDP audit anymore. But she was at this mixer and she was really excited to see me because she'd lost track of me. Over the years, I I had married and my name had changed and so she didn't know how to locate me. But she knew that I had worked in banks and savings and loans while I was going to school and she worked at Frost Bank. She was actually the IT audit manager and she said that there was this great position at Frost Bank that they'd been looking for, you know, just the right candidate and she had thought of me but she didn't know how to reach me. So she set up an interview and I, you know, went in and interviewed with the audit managers and the director at the time and they thought I was a great fit and I I spoke to the people that I worked for because like I said I loved my job and I loved them, but they really felt so highly about Frost. I can remember 
my boss telling me, you know, there aren't many companies in San Antonio that we would encourage you to leave us for, but Frost is definitely one of them. So I accepted the job and, you know, I've been here this June. I just celebrated my 24th anniversary. Wow. I have to ask because one of our previous guests was Arthur Young and he was in the, I could have sworn he was in the banking and SNL area. Did you work for Ed Polanski? No, I did not. I knew him. I knew him, but uh, the couple that I worked for were uh, Howard and Jane Huff um, and then Beverly Mays. So they all knew Ed, though, and so I think I met him through through him over the years. Okay, okay. It's actually the, the merger of Arthur Young eventually led to him starting his firm, so mm-hmm. I was curious. I knew that was his specialty. So what, what level did you start out at in Frost? Was it staff level? It, it was a senior Okay. Yeah, it was a senior level. Um, at the time, there was the director, the internal audit director, and then there were three managers, the IT audit manager, kind of a general audit manager, and then Frost has a very large wealth advisor, uh, basically you know, a division of the company that manages assets for retirement plans, charities, wealthy families, that type of thing. And so there was a, an audit manager over the wealth advisor as well. And so I started as an auditor, I believe technically the term was an auditor three, which was a senior auditor. And back then we didn't have specialists. We kind of had one general pool of auditors that worked for any manager on any audit, just depending on how you were scheduled. Mm, that's a good experience. Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. Okay. What's, what's kept you at Frost all these years? I have to ask because it's not often we have a guest that's been, or that is currently celebrating their 24th anniversary. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think you'll be number two, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out of 40-something. So it doesn't happen often. What, what's kept you there that long? Well, you know, Frost is just a, a great company. And at the time, I knew it was a very strong company and had a rich, you know, history in San Antonio. But I, I really, you know, didn't realize what a great company it was to work for. They, the culture is just so relationship-oriented. You know, anybody who, who's lived in Texas and seen the Frost Bank commercials hears all of the we're from here and talks about us having, you know, roots here and, and how we treat others the way we want to be treated and all that. But when you work here, you really see it in action, not just with our external customers, but internally with each other. You know, internal audit, we audit everyone in the company and we call them our clients. And so it's just, it's just such a unique experience to be an auditor, you know, to constantly be interrupting other departments to go audit them and then delivering bad news to them. And they actually embrace you and they, they really feel like you're a partner and you're there to help make their process better, more efficient, you know, whatever the case might be. And so it really is the culture. I don't know if, if someone had asked me 24 years ago, did I plan on spending my career at Frost, I don't think I would have said yes. But, you know, it just worked out where I really loved audit. I knew that I loved audit. I knew that I loved banking. And so I was just really fortunate to, you know, get an opportunity to work for, you know, I think one of the best mid-sized banks in the country. And I, I would say that for anybody looking for an opportunity to stay with a company, to really build a career with, with a company as opposed to, you know, moving around, I really think you do have to find the right company. You know, when you're being interviewed, I think you should interview that company as well. Make sure you really understand what they do and you believe in it, that you, you know, you believe in the product they're selling or service they're selling, that you agree with their, their core values. And then once you accept that position, I would say fully committing yourself, your professional self to that organization. Really make a commitment, not just to show up, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five and do the bare minimum, but to listen, to learn, to build relationships, to find mentors, 
and then to step up. I think what differentiated me at the time was that I was willing to step up for every new audit assignment, for every project that required overtime, for every audit where something went wrong, because I liked the challenge. I didn't want to just tick and tie numbers and, and check boxes to make sure controls operated. I wanted to learn more. That was just my, my nature. And so as a result, when I volunteered and stepped up and did that tough work, I stood out. And so when an opportunity came up to be promoted into manager, I didn't even have to apply for it. I was sought out. The director came to me and said, this manager is moving on and we're going to need a new manager and we want you to take the job. And I was blown away. I was, I was speechless because I had just given birth to my first child. I thought, gosh, they're calling me in to tell me they're going to let me go because now I have a kid and I can't work as much. <laughs> and it was quite the opposite. They promoted me. So I felt really honored to be selected for that. And I've, I've encouraged all the young auditors who've come through these doors in my 24 years you know, to, to do that. Make sure you're coming to a company for the right reason and make sure that you're fully committing your professional life. Don't look at them as just a paycheck. You know, Look at them as an opportunity to really develop your professional life. And then as you're being evaluated, as you have the opportunity to, whether it's a performance review or any kind of one-on-one -on -one where you get to provide feedback or, or you know, meet with your, your boss, let them know what your short and long-term goals are. Don't be afraid to say that, you know, this isn't the last job I want to have. I want, whether it's, you know, I want to be the audit director or I want to go into this other line of business, let them know what your goals are. Don't be afraid to tell them what you really would like to do. And don't be afraid to ask them, what do I need to do to get to that next level? But then you have to sit back and you have to be patient, you know, because opportunities don't just come along every day. But if you have, you know, built those relationships and established, you know, found mentors and really differentiated yourself as that person willing to step up and do the tough work, when that opportunity comes along, you'll be top of mind. And whether it's the, your manager, you know, suggesting you or a mentor who knows you and, and has a good relationship with you, they'll suggest your name. They'll bring up your name. And that's how you, you can kind of advance and develop. That's how my career has taken off at Frost. And that's what I, in turn, try to do for the auditors that, that I have the privilege of, of working with. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's, wow, that's great advice. I, I don't know if I'm going to say this the right way, but I'm sort of curious, you know, thinking back to your younger years when you were senior and before manager, you know, what mm -hmm. led up to that, that promotion. When you talk about taking on new assignments and new challenges, to what extent did you have to be vocal about I'm willing and, you know, what else can I do and versus just accepting what people ask you to do? Well, you know, there's always the element of scheduling when you work in an audit shop, internal or external, you know, you're scheduled and you're assigned to, to audits. And if those audits go south, you're assigned to them and you're stuck with them. But there, I think there really is an opportunity to, to step up and volunteer because you can see if you're, if you're fortunate and you're on a team or an audit that everything's working like clockwork and your clients are delivering all your requested items on time and you're not finding any exceptions, you could take the attitude, well, lucky me, I'm going home at five o'clock. But when you see your teammates struggling and you see the burden and you say, you know what, how can I help? I, I know I have a full plate, but you know what, I, I can you know, share this with you. Let me take part of it. Uh, that means a lot. I mean, that means a lot. It builds such rapport between your auditors where they really begin to feel like, wow, we're a team. And then they're willing to do that for you when you're in, in the audit that feels like a sinking ship. <laughs> and it, I think it really stands out. You know, I think that your, your managers, your senior auditors, you know, the director, they'll notice that. If they start to associate you with 
every tough audit, every tough project, every overtime assignment. They start to see, wow, Carol's always there. Carol's always volunteering. Carol's here on the weekends, you know, that does stand out, you know, and it's, it's not always possible. I, I mean, I was a working mom. And so I, I had two young kids and I wanted the flexibility to be at their activities, to be at their events. But because my boss, I built this reputation of being a hard worker, of getting my work done, of stepping in and offering to help when I could, they gave me a lot of flexibility, flexible hours, taking work home with me if I needed to. And so it, it really didn't require me to be in the office for 60, 70, or 80 hours a week. There were some weeks I was here that much, but it just required me to be able to manage my time, manage my priorities, meet deadlines, and they gave me the flexibility to work my my job around my life. So, But, but back to your question, I really do think that there is this element of, of stepping up and offering because everything is scheduled, but it's very difficult to predict which team you're going to have someone quit or someone go out on maternity leave or someone go off on FMLA for another reason. It's very difficult to predict which audit is going to blow up. You know, there's always something that goes wrong. There's some unforeseen problem. There's some surprise or a delay in getting the requested items. And it's, un, you know, you have examiners and you have external auditors that are looking at your work and relying on your work. And you never know when their expectations are going to change and they're going to require additional work. So, so I think if you just stay aware of that, stay aware of those opportunities and make yourself available, I think you will develop a reputation for being a team player, um, for being someone that they can count on, for someone who doesn't mind putting in that extra effort. And, and that will differentiate you. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned be, be patient as well. And, and so it, that's the reason I asked this. How long was it from when you started as a senior to when you ended up in the manager role? I was very fortunate because it was really a pretty quick turnaround. I think it was within the first three years that I worked at Frost that I got the opportunity to be manager, but I wasn't the only manager. And I would say my next promotion, which at the time we went from manager to director, and we had one director who was a wonderful gentleman. I mean, I loved working for him. He had been with the bank for a very long time, a very knowledgeable auditor. He, I think it was probably gosh, 11 years before my next opportunity came up. But again, in that time, I knew that there were other managers that could be selected. I knew that they could choose, you know, the audit committee, the CEO could choose to go outside of the company and find someone from one of the big four, big six firms at the time. I didn't have big four, big six experience on my resume. So I always knew that that was an option that they could decide that they wanted that, that level, you know, that caliber of auditor. But I just decided to make the best of the situation and I did my best to run my area as efficiently as I could, make sure audits were completed, that they were on time, um, within budget. I made sure problems were escalated and, and news you know, was d- delivered to managers and to my audit director that there were no surprises. I made sure that we offered the support there are external auditors needed. So I, you know, I really tried to do my best. And then again, that idea of looking for those opportunities, there was an opportunity when the audit manager who was over our wealth advisor, he was leaving the bank. And they, they weren't quite sure what to do. 
But they asked me if I would step in and oversee that that segment of the audit function. And I didn't really know a lot about the wealth advisor business, but I told them I would be happy to do it. And I knew it meant that I'd have a learning curve, but I would I would take that challenge on. And so uh, shortly after that, shortly after I accepted that assignment, our bank regulators came in and they were specifically looking at our wealth advisor audit function. And they ended up criticizing it, and they said that you know it needed some improvement. They highlighted the areas that that we needed to improve in, and I can remember walking back to my office with the director, and he was just beside himself. He had just been sitting in this meeting with these managers from around the company, the executives, the CFO and CEO, and had heard his function be criticized, and he he was second guessing his decision to put me in charge of it. You know, he said, Carol. Maybe I need to go find an experienced person. Maybe I need to go find somebody that's got this wealth advisor audit experience so I can get this problem solved. And I looked at him and I said, well, Norton, I said, you know, you could do that if you want to. And I would understand why. I said, but I don't work as hard as I work to get C's. I work for A's. And if you give me an opportunity, I assure you, I will get this turned around. And he, I'm sure he talked to some other folks before he made the decision, but he decided to go ahead and let me try it. And that next year, I had to go and go to the training, you know, get the experience, get a certification and revamp the entire audit program. But when those regulators came back a year later, they said they were surprised because they didn't expect that we would be able to do it, considering we had just lost the manager of that area. But they had seen enough progress that they were not going to take any any further action, that they were going to let us continue, because they really believed that we were on the right path to strengthening that team. So again, you know, no promotion came along with that. <laughs> I, I worked a lot. I, I traveled a lot. I put in a lot of time, went to a school that usually takes three years to go to, I did all three parts in one year. And then I had a lot of time spent at home studying to pass this test and to really gain some level of subject matter expertise. And I didn't get promoted, you know, but again, you know, down the road when he decided to take on lesser responsibilities as he was nearing retirement, they didn't have a, a, the job posted. They didn't interview partners from other from external auditing firms. They didn't go talk to other bank auditors. They came to me and said, Carol, we want you to take this position as director. So I believe my patience paid off on all that hard work and that committing myself, my professional life to Frost. I didn't entertain other offers from other banks. I, I would get calls from headhunters. I didn't go on interviews. I didn't post my, my resume on LinkedIn or Monster just to see what, you know, put my feelers out there. I didn't. I decided as long as I was going to be committed to Frost, I was going to be committed to Frost. And, and I really feel like it paid off, you know, because I, I did get that, that job that I'd set my eyes on. So. Now, one of the themes that came out in a previous episode was investing in your own development. And, yeah, it sounds like you did quite a bit of that with, without regards to whether or not it was going to pay off. It's just you, you had a job to do. You were going to get it done no matter what it took. And obviously right. it did pay off. <laughs> you know, and I tell young auditors that all the time because there is such an opportunity in internal audit to learn, not just about the audit profession, but to learn about the industry that you're auditing. And so within Frost, we have five audit teams, and there's a team that specializes on IT, one that specializes on the wealth advisor, one that specializes on consumer compliance because banks are very regulated, and then one that is bank operations, and one is more of your accounting, finance, capital markets. And within each of those five teams, there are certifications that we 
want the auditors to achieve. The CPA is one of them. There's also the CIA, Certified Internal Auditor. There's a CISA for Information Systems. There's one for the Wealth Advisor. There's one for Compliance. There's multitude of others. And I tell the auditors that when I send them to training and I ask them to study and I want them to pass that test, I do that because it helps our audit function. You know, we have to show that we're competent and that we are capable of auditing these various areas. But at the end of the day, they get to take those certifications with them if they leave. So it really is making an investment in them. And so sometimes you find auditors that are, you know, kind of these certification junkies, you know, they just want, they want to work on every team because they, they realize that, you know, if I can gain all this experience and have these certifications, it opens so many doors. And, and I really do believe it does. So I, again, You don't know if it's always going to lead to a promotion within an internal audit or within another line of business, but you are investing in yourself. Everything you're learning is making you a better auditor, more analytical, better judgment, better decision-making, and better subject matter expertise if you have these certifications. Mm, That makes sense. Thank you. that's, That's some good insight. I'm curious. So... You've been with Frost for 24 years in the audit role. What are some of the bigger changes you've seen in the audit profession or what are some of the big changes you feel like auditors need to be prepared for going forward? Probably the biggest change, and and we are still kind of going through this at at Frost, is the idea of not just being an assurance provider anymore, not just checking controls and tying back balances, but to really move towards that trusted advisor concept where you're independently assessing risk and you're really challenging processes and controls and you're trying to be a change agent and provide insight into management to help them change their business to adapt to all the changing risks that that we face. And we have different levels of maturity of that here at Frost. I, I have five audit teams with five audit managers and There are a couple of them who, without a doubt, are trusted advisors. They are sought out by management to provide input, and they still have to do the assurance work. I mean, you never get away from the assurance work. There are expectations our external auditors have that we test controls and we perform substantive testing, and and we do all of that, but there is also the opportunity on every new initiative, every new product, every new system to provide that kind of advice and and challenge management. And I've had projects within the bank, the project schedule change to work around the availability of an audit manager because they they value that objective third-party kind of advice from the outside looking into the project. Internal auditors, even if you work for the same company like Fust, you still really are in a unique position because you get to see operations across the company, you know, and you get to see all affiliates. We also have peer networks where we meet with other auditors at other banks around the country, so we have the opportunity to get feedback on how did they handle similar opportunities. And then, of course, we have pretty robust training budgets because we have to support these certifications and continue to stay on top of emerging risks and emerging developments, you know, just within our industry. So it really 
it's exciting to see that that's the direction we're going. I think it really makes young auditors rethink internal audit as being a stepping stone. I think more of them start to consider audit as a career because they realize they're not just going to be ticking and tying. They're going to actually get the opportunity to make a difference and to give some of this kind of consulting advice type work. And so I have more auditors now, and we've gradually seen our average time in the audit department grow because people see these opportunities as we've moved across the spectrum from just be an assurance provider to trusted advisor. The other change, which is more recently, but it definitely impacts and is impacting Frost, is this idea of data analytics, you know, big data. When I first started in the audit profession, we had the only thing that was captured electronically were end-of-day balances and transactions were processed in batch mode overnight. Well, now everything is captured electronically. You've got workflow approval paths, business decisions, risk assessments, the the tests of other assurance departments within the bank. There is so much electronic data at our disposal, and the bank has a data warehouse that they use for reporting purposes and, and different other needs for running the business. But about three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, I actually created a data analytics team within internal audit because I needed that resource dedicated to support my audit teams. So we use an audit tool called ACL and we have access to most of our data warehouse and we have the ability now to use these full-time analysts to support the audit function. So they can go in and look for ways to provide better audit coverage, you know, testing 100% of a population versus a sample. They can go in and and do trend analysis on data and and help the auditors identify the trouble spots they should focus on. They can look for simple things like, you know, items out of range or select random samples for confirmations. But it has just become such an integral part of internal audit that I I really felt like it was important that we have our own resource and we not have to stand in line to leverage off the bank's data analytics department. And so I'm really excited that we did that and and we're actually about to add another position to this team. So we'll have three full-time professionals on it. And we've, we've got a backlog. The idea was a little foreign when we first started talking about it. The other teams weren't really excited about it. But once they sat down with these analysts and talked about the data that was available and the opportunity to use it to improve the efficiency of an audit or to expand the coverage of an audit, we developed a backlog of requests that they'd like this team to work on. So so I really think that that's an exciting development in our profession because it's another skill set that we all get to learn and develop and that young auditors entering the profession can kind of differentiate themselves or come in with a a little bit of an advantage if they've received some of this formal training in college where some of us, like myself, this wasn't even available when I was in college. So I've had to learn it on the job and I'm never going to be as proficient at it as someone right out of college, you know. So I think it's pre- the, both of those are pretty exciting. Hmm. Yeah, yes, it is. It makes a lot of sense. You know, you mentioned training and certification and, and you've talked about opportunities quite a bit. Today's CPA article mentioned it seems like regularly using interns in the audit department and and I don't know maybe it was just me but I I seem to have come across people over the years that started their career as an intern at Frost it or I've just noticed that I believe do you guys have a formal intern program or how does that work there at Frost well we do so I think I was probably one of the founders of the internship program we we had gone through a period 
of a lot of turnover. There had just been more competition in the banking industry. Some other banks had moved to Texas and opened operation centers here. And so we had gone through probably 25 to 35% turnover two years in a row, and it just really took its toll on us. And it occurred to me that if we could have some internships where we, you know, had these students that were working for us, we'd have kind of this pipeline of, of young people getting accounting degrees or finance degrees nearing graduation, but they would be working on audits and actually learning, so they would be ready to hire and actually put them in a position, and, and they'd already have that kind of on-the-job training. So I approached our HR department about that, and, and they approved the, the opportunity for me to create. I think I started off with one position, and we primarily targeted UTSA just because of the size of the university, and that was my alma mater. I had the experience knowing their accounting program and knowing the professors out there. Well, over the years, I think it's been in place for close to 15 years now, and we now have three permanent intern positions within internal audit. And we post those on our job line when they they turn over, and we will put them out on other LinkedIn and sites like that. I would say the majority of the, the applicants still come from UTSA, but we certainly have had other students from all the universities, local universities come in. And they're paid internships, so they're perfect for any student who needs a part-time job. And they actually are doing audits. I mean, they are assigned to a team and they are working on audits. They're, they're getting some of the same training. They're coordinating with our external auditors. I mean, so they are getting real-life audit experience while they're in school. And then we, we typically hire when someone is in their junior year so we can work with them for at least two or three semesters. And then if they go on to pursue their master's, we'll keep them as a, an intern. Again, it's a paid job. We try to stay competitive on the hourly rate we pay. But when an opening, you know, when we do have an opening, those interns are the first resource we go to. So I would say I don't know that we've ever really tracked it. But I would guess we probably have an 80% higher rate out of that intern pool. There are occasions where we get an intern that it doesn't work out, and at the end of the first semester, we agree to end the internship. But I would, and, and there are some instances where the intern comes to us. We have a young lady now, and she has made it very clear she's going into Big Four, and she's got a job waiting for her when she graduates in the tax department in Houston. You know, And so we know that it's not going to always work out with everybody. But by and large, it's been a great program because it's given us the ability to hire someone on a temporary short-term basis, train them, see if they really enjoy internal auditing, see how they kind of acclimate to our environment. And then when the full-time position opens, they've got a job and, and we've got someone who can hit the ground running. Now, the bank has expanded that. So I believe currently our IT department, our information security team has two internships, I believe, with the cybersecurity program out at UTSA having such a great reputation. They created some internships for information security. And then the bank now has a very large summer intern program. So it's not year-round, but they do go out to all the universities and not just accounting and finance majors, but any major, anybody who's interested in trying out financial services. And they come in and they place these summer interns in different, in different departments. And they actually get to work in that department for two or two and a half months. But they also have an opportunity to attend a series of seminars where they get to listen to other departments, other affiliates talk about financial services. So they really get a taste for the financial services industry and if it's something they might want to do with their career. So it's grown quite a bit. And I think 
it really comes down to if a department feels like they have a need and an internship program would be a good fit, I, I think they get the support of, of management and HR. I don't think it's even, there's, there isn't any pushback anymore. So, so I'm, I'm really proud to have been a part of that, but I think it's been, been a great resource for audit over the years. It's just it really paid dividends in terms of the quality of the staff we have. Wow, 80%. That seems high. Yeah, we. I would guess right now, if I looked at my team, I would say probably 30 or 40% of them started as interns. We've had interns work their way up to being senior audit managers, so so it's been very successful. But we're kind of picky when we interview. When we go to the school and we post the position and we interview, we really are looking for someone who wants who doesn't, you know, there are some students who just want the internship one semester for a grade, yeah. but I would say we, we don't typically target those types of students. We look for students that are looking for part-time jobs that, because they need the supplemental income and they're excited to have the opportunity to work in their, you know, what they're going to school for. Um, we are really flexible working around their hours so that we don't interfere with them finishing school and taking their classes. We'll give time off when they're studying for finals and things of that nature. So I would say it's probably because of the way we kind of target who we hire and and the way we advertise with the, with the universities that that we end up hiring students who are hopeful that we will eventually hire them full-time. Okay. Very strategic. It really is. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time, and there's a few questions I end every podcast with. But first, I mentioned to you in, in our sort of early conversation that I, I wanted to ask about any baby can, because I noticed you've been involved with them for quite some time, and they're, they're a very well-known nonprofit organization here in town. Tell us about your involvement there. Yes. Yeah, so my oldest friend or longest friend, I've known her since I was in fifth grade, she had a, a daughter that was born with, with severe developmental del- delays and health problems. And, and Any Baby Can, she became aware of Any Baby Can through one of the doctors that, that she was seeing. And they really stepped in and just made a huge difference in her life and, and the life of her daughter and her husband, offering all types of support. Sometimes it was financial support. Sometimes it was just connecting them with specialists or giving them access to resources who would come just to help take care of household matters so the mom could sleep, you know, so my friend could sleep. And so anyway, I saw what a difference that organization made in her life, and I started volunteering my time, and I started donating to them. And SauceBank is a, a, a big supporter of, of local charities, and, and they encourage employees to volunteer or to go serve on boards of these nonprofit organizations. And so they had had a representative on the Any Baby Cam board for a number of years, and she retired, and they asked me if I'd like to take that seat. And I've been on that board now, I think, probably six or seven years, and I, I just love it. I love watching what the organization does for the families of South Texas. It's just, it's incredible. They really will serve anybody, anybody who has a child birth through 17 that has a chronic illness, a disability, developmental delay, or any kind of health risk. They will go to the ends of the world to find the resources that that family needs because they really do believe that, you know, the child can be saved without losing the family. All of their services are provided at no cost, so they have case managers that that do it for no cost regardless of the income level of the family. And we get to hear from the families that they serve 
every time we have a board meeting, they will have a family come in and, and tell how they heard of Any Baby Can and, and what difference it's made in their life. So it's just, it's just so endearing to me to know that there's an organization like this that helps families that have a child, of all things, you know, that, that have these needs. So, so anyone listening, I would encourage you to go out to their website. It's anybabycansa.org and, you know, read more about them, volunteer. They, they have a number of events throughout the year to raise funds. This September 14th, they have their 23rd annual style show and luncheon at the Pearl Stable. It's a really fun event. They do sell individual tickets, but I think mostly they sell tables. So they may have some availability. It's still a little pretty early. But they have some raffles and auction items, and it's just a great style show and luncheon to raise money for the organization. So I would appreciate any support any of our listeners gave them. Wonderful. Thank you. That's anybabycansa.org, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. I'll make sure I put that in the, the text version of the show notes as well online. Okay. Well, there's, there's three questions I end every podcast with. So the first of those, hopefully the easiest, what has been your proudest moment? Probably, I've had a lot of proud moments at Frost. It's been an incredible career. But I would say probably the first time that we really received really favorable feedback from our our regulators. I can't really disclose their rating system, but banks are, are very regulated and there are some systems that the regulators use to rank you and to and, and they're not available to the investing public. They're kept confidential for good reason. But they, they look at just everything from the balance sheet structure to the strength of management, board oversight, and internal audit is one of those those elements that they rank. And and it's always kind of a legend of, oh, you can never receive that top rating. You can't receive that top rating. And, you know, we did actually a number of years ago, we did. And it, and it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of kind of aligning ourselves to the expectations of our regulators, which is, isn't always easy because regulations are sometimes very complex and difficult to understand. And and your, regulate, your, your examiner teams change from year to year. So sometimes they're subject to the interpretation of the team on site. But we, we made a commitment probably 20 years ago that not only were we going to align ourselves to support our external audit firm, but we were also going to do it to support our regulators. We follow the three-line of defense model. So management is the first line. Other assurance functions like IT governance or compliance are the second line. Audit's the third line of defense. And then our regulators and external auditors are the fourth line. And we believe that we really are kind of that buffer, that we if we can support them and they can rely on our work, that that makes it easier on management. It's less disruptive, less interruptions, you know. And so, like I said, it did take a lot of work, but getting that kind of favorable feedback, being recognized by our external auditors and our regulators as having a really solid internal audit department has been has, has just been a really great feeling for me. Not only because, you know, I feel like it's, it recognizes the work I've done, but also because I think it it says so much about our company and our culture and, and the respect we have for the, you know, the functions of, that, that they serve. It says a lot for the performance of the team you put together, too. Yes, absolutely. I could not do it without my team. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. And frankly, the bigger, the better. We like the yeah. large mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, gosh, I wish I only had one mistake. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I always tell young auditors, don't be afraid of making a mistake. If you know, you're never going to learn, you're never going to develop good judgment and, and be able to make good sound decisions if you don't make mistakes and <laughs> learn from them. But there was one time in particular that we had a new product that the bank had rolled out and we had to audit that product and we were kind of approached it like we would look at anything else and said, well, you know, what's the risk and what should the focus of our audit be? And and I grossly underestimated the impact that a mistake could have because it was a new product. We didn't have a lot of volume. And so I didn't really dedicate the right resources to it. And as a result, we, we didn't test it as thoroughly as we should have. And we missed a couple of edit checks in a system that we should have looked for. And as a result, there were some errors in, in entries that were accruing to our balance sheet and income statement. <laughs> so very quickly, it became noticeable. And fortunately, we caught it and fixed it before it became a real reporting error. But I tell you what, there's nothing more unnerving than getting a call from the CEO saying, why didn't you find this? <laughs> Knowing it was simply because you exercised judgment and said, oh, that's not a high risk. We shouldn't look at it this year. So it was very humbling and, and, you know, I really just had to kind of own up and say it wasn't, it wasn't my auditor's fault. It wasn't the team's fault. It was kind of my fault. I give a lot of direction in the construction of the audit plan and I just didn't think that was the highest risk area that we needed to audit that year. But it taught us some lessons, you know, <laughs> and we've, sure. we look at new, new products, new initiatives. Um, we get involved real early. And we're part of the, the, the implementation process. We actually audit it as it's being designed and implemented. We don't wait till after the fact. So we, we catch these kinds of things while they're being developed and tested. But it was, it was a painful moment in my history here. <laughs> so, and, I, and I use that sometimes to tell young auditors, like they look at me and they think, oh, wow, you know, you, you're so smart. How, you know, how do you do this? And how come you don't ever make mistakes? And I said, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I've made plenty of mistakes. You have to own up to them. You have to accept them and fix them. Don't worry about trying to point fingers or find somebody else to blame. You know, just own up and and learn from it. And and I I think you you know you actually get the respect of, of your peers that way quicker than if you tried to make excuses or find somebody else to share the blame with you. Sure. Actually, it sounds like a good procedure came out of that. It, you, now you audit things as they're being built. It, yeah, it, it really yeah. did. It really did. Well, I like to end things on a a strong note and a positive note, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I would say probably going back to when I, pretty early when I first started here before I was made manager and we had those three audit managers that we would work for at any any point in time. And one of them was very, very detailed in his review. And it used to drive me crazy because he'd give me pages of review comments. And a lot of times I felt like he was really just asking me questions, not really providing feedback. And so I, I just felt like that was not a, an efficient use of my time. And one day I was talking to the director and he was always interested in asking my opinion about things because I'd come from another small firm where I had been exposed to other audits. And so he liked to hear, you know, different ways of doing things. And so I decided that I was going to tell him about how I thought this manager needed to really change the, the way he reviewed work papers. And, and I gave him some examples and everything. And he heard me out and he looked like he was very understanding. But at the end, he said, you know, Carol, he said, let me tell you something. You're not always going to like or agree with the people that you work with. You know, sometimes you're going to be the smartest person assigned to an audit and sometimes you're not. But if I didn't learn how to put 
the team first and really understand and appreciate everybody's strengths and weaknesses, because we all had them, that I wouldn't be successful. And I thought about that, you know, obviously immediately, but I've thought about it a lot over the years because I get that feedback from my own audit teams now. Why is this manager asking me these questions? They should already know the answer to this question. Why is our external auditor asking this question? I feel like I'm training them. You know, I hear that kind of stuff regularly, but it, it has just become so clear to me over time that that is what is unique about Frost. You know, we have a value proposition that says everyone is significant. You know, it doesn't matter how big or small the customer or how, what role the employee serves. All of us are significant. Our blue book, which is a document we have internally that shares our philosophy and gives a lot of examples and guidance on how we treat customers and how we treat each other. It gives countless examples of our, how we practice our core values of caring, integrity, and excellence when we deal with each other. Even our new operations center that I work in now, it's known as One Frost up here on the northwest side of San Antonio. The whole building is built around a collaborative environment where you have these common work areas and open space and wireless capabilities so you can literally go work wherever you need to be. Our leadership program teaches us to adapt our style to the people that we lead rather than forcing them to accept what we do and the way we do it. I think it started with that advice from my the, the audit director who, who really told me the, the value of collaborating and being a team player and really appreciating people's strengths and weaknesses. I think it's helped me become the leader I am today. Wow. Sounds like you've probably had several good mentors there at Frost. I have. Been very fortunate. Well, thank you so much. I knew this was going to be a good interview, but I really appreciated the the conversation about stepping up, you know, to new challenges. And, and uh, actually, when you were talking about the the mistake portion, you know, owning up, which that's been sort of a a frequent theme <laughs> through some of our <laughs> through, through some of our interviews, that that seems to be a secret to success: owning up. You know, when you when you did make a mistake, owning up to it. So, thank you. This has been wonderful. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I have, Mark. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this. No problem. No problem. Well, thank you for sharing so much, and and I I hope you have a great summer, Carol. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Like I alluded to in the intro, Carol was very open about her career, and I really appreciate the insights she shared on how to be successful and continue to move up within the organization. I specifically liked the conversation about both finding the right company, but also committing yourself to give it 100%. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. We'll be back next week with another interview with an everyday hero in the accounting profession. In the meantime, please visit our homepage at www.whereaccountantsgo.com for accounting job leads in the Texas area, as well as information on all the certifications available to help you move your career forward. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. And as I always say, stay tuned. There's more to come.